live from Studio 67 in Florida's Capital County. It's time to be fackish. Access granted. Good people, welcome back to another edition of Fackish. My name is Jared. I am joined by my colleague, Sarah. Hey there. And we have got a very exciting show for you guys today. We have got 42 days left of the regular legislative session. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Not me. Yeah, hopefully it stays that way (laughs) or close to it. But uh, we had a very busy week. A couple of our counties were in town. Sarah, you want to recap the week for us a little bit? Absolutely, Jared. We had Broward and Hillsborough County in the house this week. Those famous Hillsborough Cubans. Those Cubans. Gotta love them. The Pirates were in town on the Capitol grounds. It, it looked like Gasparilla out there. It's it pretty did. crazy. And Broward, uh, you know, played host to a lot of us and showed us all a good time. So uh, thank you to both of those Yeah, counties. we love our county days. Word to Broward and Hillsborough. Exactly. We're excited for the big Miami-Dade days next week. I know that's a big one. Always a good one. There'll be a lot of people up here for that one, so looking forward to it. We had a very busy week uh, in the legislature, so we will jump right into bills. Sarah, why don't you kick us off? Yes, I will be talking for a while. We had a lot of bills up this week. A big one, and I know we've been talking about this a lot, is the occupational licensing bills. So HB 1383 specialty contractors by Representative Trabolsi was heard in the House Regulatory Reform and Economic Development Subcommittee. The bill passed favorably with a vote of nine to two. A little bit of background on this bill, as you'll recall, in 2021, the legislature passed HB 735, which preempted local license occupations to the state. However, the act allowed local licensings to continue for two years so that local governments could tell everybody that they were being preempted, including the construction trade occupations in those counties that licensed occupations as of January 1st, 2021. These programs expire on July 1st, 2023. So all these local occupational license programs expire unless the legislature takes action to correct the mistakes made in 2021. There are currently four bills that address the programs. There's HB 1383 by Representative Trabolsi, which I'm going to talk about. HB 1625 by Representative Mooney, which FAC supports. SB 1570 by Senator Hooper, FAC also supports, and SB 1584 by Senator Perry. Both HB 1625, Representative Mooney, and SB 1570 by Senator Hooper allow counties to continue licensing certain construction-related jobs. The continued licensing of these occupations are needed because of public safety concerns. HB 1383, we believe, does not go far enough in protecting these licenses within the state. The bill requires the Contractor Industry Licensing Board by July 1st, 2023 to establish voluntary licensure for the following limited number of jobs. Structural aluminum or screen enclosures, marine seawall work, marine bulkhead work, marine dock work, marine pile driving, structural masonry, structural pre-stressed, pre-cast concrete work, rooftop solar heating installation, structural steel, wall and door installation, including 
garage door installation and hurricane or windstorm protection. The bill prohibits local governments from requiring a license to obtain a permit for a job that is outside of the practice of contracting or any of those job scopes. And SAC staff, both Bob McKee and Jeff Scala, expressed their oppositions and concerns regarding HB 1383 not going far enough. And there's a lot to talk about with this. Obviously, you know, having local contractors license in their community gives a holder credibility. Customers are willing to work with a contractor that is properly licensed and insured for safety reasons, for training reasons. Customers believe that being a licensed contractor means you're committed to the field of work to which they're being hired to work for. There's a lot of pride in being a licensed contractor community. Individuals also get paid better because customers are willing to pay certified licensed contractors more than those with no certifications or licenses for a particular specialty field. And obviously, there's lots of public safety concerns with someone coming in without a license to do some of these specialty projects. So we are working really hard on this issue this session. Obviously, we're trying to get as many job scouts back as possible before that July 1st, 2023 deadline so stay tuned for what happens with that and we are working hard up here thank you sarah yeah and just important to remember uh you know there are a lot of uh you know real jobs on the line here um so obviously the the more willing they are to kind of walk back that questionable 2021 policy the better uh so we will stay on that one for sure moving forward uh we are back on hb 235 on uh impact fees as well as mobility fees. We have talked about this one a couple times now, but it actually got a new look this past week with a committee substitute. It is trending in the right direction as far as the language, but we still have some concerns here at FAC um, with that impact fee language. If you'll recall, the initial problem with the original language in the bill is that it did away with county authority to exceed the statutory caps for increasing impact fees. There is a um, you know, designated schedule by which you can kind of increase those in statute, um, but counties were able to get around that if it came down to it by showing uh, extraordinary need through a third-party study. This would have completely done away with that county authority and... While the new language is better in the committee substitute, it is still imperfect. Um, it puts that extraordinary need study back on the table for counties, but it does shift the burden of proof uh, to a much higher degree on local governments. Um, specifically, that demonstrated need study must show that the population growth and the service demand within that local jurisdiction exceed those of the state at large and they must do so through clear and convincing evidence. So again, that's a higher burden of proof on local governments. We are still working on tweaking that language a little bit. Uh, there is also a mobility fee section within the second half of the bill that we have some concerns with as well. It would essentially prevent you know, more than one local government from charging new development or redevelopment, as the case may be, um, that has already been assessed. Simply imposing a municipal mobility fee uh, might not address the, the full impact, the full need um, for that proper infrastructure. Uh, so again, we have some, some concerns there, uh, but we are working on that. Thank you, Jared. And another big bill that was up this week in a fact priority was 
SB 1482 Rural Development by Senator Simon, which was heard in the Senate Commerce and Tourism and passed unanimously. The bill modifies economic initiatives relating to rural development within certain rural grant programs. This includes eliminating the rural matching requirement, eliminating the requirement that grant funds received by a regional economic development organization must be matched by each year by non-state resources in the amount equal to 25% of the state's contributions, and many more things within the Regional Rural Development Grants Program. The bill also amends the Rural Community Development and Revolving Loan Program to remove the requirement that funds be matched by the local government or an economic development organization. So FACT supported the bill in committee as it is within our Agriculture and Rural Affairs 2023 Legislative Action Plan. Yeah, that's a big one within our platform, Sarah. I'm sure all of our rural counties will be very keyed into some of these uh, programs and their funding. Moving forward is another one we've seen before. That is HB 975 on solid waste management. Uh, we initially thought that the Senate was going to be carrying this this bill forward, uh, but it looks like the House has kind of taken the, the lead on this one so far. FAC has opposed this bill at every stop so far. Uh, it unfortunately did pass in the local and federal subcommittee this past week with a vote of 11 to 5, uh, including one Republican on that, you know, down on that bill. Just to recap, you know, what this bill would do is essentially prohibit uh, any local governments from, as it says, unreasonably restraining private entities from providing solid waste management services services within that local government's jurisdiction. What that looks like, practically speaking, is essentially it sunsets all existing exclusive franchise agreements in place for commercial solid waste collection. So it does not impact residential directly, um, but obviously doing away with the commercial side of things potentially has, you know, pricing impacts on the residential side for those franchises that are providing both and are able to kind of scale that um, service a little bit. Um, a lot of counties have concerns with this. It would potentially mean more trucks on the road if they couldn't have exclusive contracts in place. You know, if you have several different entities all scrambling to provide that service at the same time, um, as well as again, the, the potential impacts on price and general efficiency of the service. Yes, that's a big one for us this session. Jeff Scala in our staff is working very hard on that one. We got a couple more preemptions for you. So HB 1417, Residential Tenancies by Representative Esposito was heard in the House Civil Justice Subcommittee on Monday morning that passed favorably. The bill preempts local governments from establishing anything that regulates the landlord-tenant relationship. It specifically preempts local governments from regulating the screening process used by landlords and approving tenants, the rental agreement application and fees, terms and conditions, rights and responsibilities of the landlord and tenant disclosures regarding the property, the rental agreement, etc. There, there's a lot of things in that bill. FAC opposed that bill in committee. Next up, we had one that we've been watching very closely this session is HB 1515 local ordinances that was heard in its last House committee. It passed and it will head next to the House floor Probably by next week, we know that the Senate bill by Senator Trumbull passed on the Senate floor with a vote of 29 to 11. You can see a more detailed analysis on that in our bill tracker. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, now we'll take a look at 
One that we have not seen move through committee uh, until this week, that is SB 1070 on license taxes. That's by Senator Hooper, and it passed through the Senate Transportation Committee. FAC actually got to support this bill. Uh, what it would do is impose an additional annual registration fee on electric vehicles and plug-in hybrid vehicles. 36% of that distribution from those revenues goes straight toward counties. Um, the REC had that at a $20 million impact. So, uh, you know, nice little windfall for our local government. Kind of the thought process here is to replace some of the lost revenue in local fuel taxes from these non-fuel vehicles being on the road. You know, obviously traditional cars that are, you know, filling up at the pump are indirectly raising revenue for these local governments through those local option fuel taxes and these electric vehicles and plug-in hybrids are not doing that. Uh, so, you know, proponents of the bill, uh, in a sense, are saying that traditional, you know, fuel-operated cars are subsidizing the infrastructure for electric vehicles. Obviously, we want to see everyone kind of pay their fair share um, if they're going to be using the roads. So... Jared, don't you have a hybrid car? I sure do, Sarah. <laughs> Loud and proud. I have a beautiful uh, Toyota Camry hybrid. It's been very good to me, you know, on, on long road trips. Thankfully, it would not be impacted directly by this bill because it is not a plug-in electric. Um, but, you know. Save this year. I'm just, yeah. Saving the world, you know. One, uh, <laughs> one drive at a time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we have two more preemptions up this week in the agriculture world, starting with SB 1472 organic products by Senator Bradley. This bill prohibits local governments from adopting any ordinances, regulations, rules to prohibit, restrict, regulate the collection, storage, processing, and distribution of organic material products. Now, the House Companion, HB 1361, by Representative Trunow, has not been heard, but is actually scheduled to be heard on Monday, March 27th at 11.30 a.m. And next up, we have SB 1184 Agriculture Lands by Senator Collins. That was also heard for the first time in Senate Community and Urban Affairs this week. SB 1184 preempts a local government from adopting land use or zoning restrictions, conditions, or regulation requiring the termination of an agriculture classification for any property or the surrender of an agricultural classification. These restrictions adopted before July 1st, 2023 are invalid and unenforceable. That bill on the House side, HB 1343 by Representative Tuck, was also placed on the agenda for Monday, March 27th at 11.30 a.m. in the House Ag Conservation and Resiliency Subcommittee. All right. In the finance and tax space, uh, we saw the Save Our Homes revision pass its first House committee. It has already been on the move on the Senate side, um, but this is HB 469 and then it's implementing bill HB 471. This would place on the ballot for voter approval a potential constitutional amendment to change that Save Our Homes uh, cap from the lesser of 3% or CPI to the lesser of 2% or CPI. In other words, your property tax bill will not be going up by more than that amount year over year after that initial assessment year. Um, this potentially has a massive you know, impact on local revenues. Uh, the REC officially took an indeterminate uh, estimate on that one, but they did say that in years where where a property tax increase is bound by that cap, it could have a very significant impact. Uh, so FAC has been opposing this one vehemently. 
Okay, and next up, we had quite a bit of broadband and technology bills that passed this week in the House. First up, we had HB 1221 broadband internet service providers by Representative Tomko. This was heard in House Energy Communications and Cybersecurity and passed unanimously. The bill provides explicit authority for rural electric co-ops in Florida to provide specified communication services in the following circumstances if the cooperative provides broadband internet service directly or in partnership with third party or if the cooperative receives a broadband grant funding pursuant to the florida broadband opportunity program or from another state or federal partner offering grants to those unserved areas Facts spoke in favor of the work currently underway to expand broadband with five rural cooperatives as a universal expansion project. And the five rural cooperatives represent 18 Florida counties. The Senate version of the bill, SB 626, is on the agenda in Senate Commerce and Tourism on Monday, March 27th at 3 p.m. Also, another broadband bill, that was up in the same committee was HB 1437 by Representative Esposito. The bill creates a public records exemption for certain information relating to communication services, project proposals, and challenges submitted to DEO under the Broadband Opportunity Program. An amendment was passed that removed information that reveals communication network coverage areas from the public record exemption created by the bill. FAC, again, has shared concerns on the index to both the public reporting of broadband projects and internet service availability data to be included in the broadband to be included in the faster Florida broadband map. Additionally, FAC raised concerns to the necessity of the public records exemption and current reporting requirements. And you'll recall the Senate companion SB 552 by Senator Hooper passed last week. And we did talk about that one last week. Thank you, Sarah. Moving on, we saw the affordable housing package pass off the floor this week. Um, that bill has just been fast-tracked through the process. Uh, you know, we saw the Senate move very quickly on that one, and the House has, you know, just caught up um, and passed just today, actually. Uh, it's popularly known as the Live Local Act, and FAC has been supporting it. It is not a perfect bill, but it does have um, just unprecedented funding um, for affordable housing programs, as well as gives local governments some flexibility in kind of carving out, designing their own uh, affordable housing tax exemptions. So we have been supporting it despite some problematic preemptions. Uh, so that one is heading to the governor's desk now. Moving on, we had a big one for all of our county commissioners out there. SB 1110 by Senator Ingolia would impose term limits on all the county commissioners and district school board members within this state. We were fortunate enough to have several of our members uh, come up and speak against this bill. Specifically, we had uh, former FAC president Ralph Thomas uh, from McCullough County, as well as commissioners John Meeks and Matt Brooks coming up from Levy County uh, come speak against this bill. Um, they did great, obviously. FAC staff Bob McKee also joined them in opposition. Like I said, this bill would impose term limits of eight years for all county commissioners within the state. Um, you know, the sponsor was kind of digging his heels in, but we will kind of see if we can work our way to a compromise on that bill. 
All right. So back over to the tech world, we have some cybersecurity legislation on the move in its first House committee. That is HB 1511 cybersecurity by Representative Gia Lombardo. And that passed unanimously. Among many revisions, the bill modifies state agency and local government incident reporting requirements timeframe for notification from 48 hours to four hours for cyber incidents and reduces the time frame for notification from 12 hours to two hours from ransomware. So a very tighter deadline in reporting some of these incidences. Also, the bill addresses liability within cybersecurity incidences. A county that complies with training standards and incident notifications in Florida statute 282.3185 will gain a presumption against liability in connection with a cybersecurity incident. The section does not establish a private cause of action and failure of a county to substantially implement a cybersecurity program that is in compliance with this section is not evidence of negligent and does not constitute negligence. So we are on this bill. Jeff Scala is working this bill and the Senate companion SB 1708 has not been heard yet. Thank you, Sarah. To close us out, we're going to take a look at SB 1450, which was reported favorably by Senate Regulated Industries uh, on Tuesday. This bill would revise how the property appraiser would value timeshare units uh, for the purposes of, you know, ad valorem property taxes. Kind of the standard practice as of right now is for the property appraiser to look at the resale market to make that valuation on a timeshare unit. Now, if there aren't enough resales you know, within the unit's history, the property appraiser might just use the original purchase price instead. This bill would actually revise that system and have the property appraiser defer to the taxpayer themselves on how they'd like them to reach that valuation. Now, obviously, it would be in the you know resident's best interest to pick the cheaper option every time. So this actually had a pretty significant impact. The REC slapped a $208 million price tag on this bill just due to lost revenue from ad valorem property taxes. So FAC will be opposing this going forward. That just about wraps us up for this week. Sarah, you want to bring us home with a quote from one of our greatest presidents? Of course, Jared, here it is for the week. It is not the critic who counts, not the person who points out how the strong person stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the person who is actually in the arena. I have got goosebumps. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. We will see you again next week. This is Sarah and Jared signing off. Signing off. See you next week. See you next week.